Hi friend, do you want to experience more energy, vitality, and flow in your life? Well, be sure to go to findyourflow.com forward slash shop and check out the supplement section. We have all of your favorites back in stock. Vegan Vitality and Vegan Powder Protein are two of the favorites that go very quickly. So if you're into protein and vitality, be sure to check those out. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittis, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is about investing, how to invest in real estate. How to invest in real estate is the name of this episode, and I've done uh, some other episodes that are similar um, how to get rich investing in single family residences, and this one is just a little bit more more generic, more general, I should say, and this is a cash flow episode. So I wanted to share with you where I'm at with my career as a real estate investor and what I've got on the horizon and let you know about it so that way in case you are interested in growing your portfolio or building it if you're a new investor, then give you some ideas, give you some direction maybe, maybe inspire you, and uh, maybe even potentially earn your business at some point. So I wanted to let you know what I'm up to, so that way you could see if there's any synergy there, if you feel that there may be any way for me to help you or for you to help me, etc. So let's talk about real estate investing. There's different kinds, right? There's different ways to in a lot of different ways to invest in real estate in a previous episode i covered single family residences and kind of the basic idea of buying a house and uh, renting it out refinancing it pulling that money out of the rental property once you've developed some equity there being able to put that as a down payment on another property rent that one out, rinse and repeat, and that's kind of the, the basic idea for building wealth through single-family residences. Now, to kick that up a notch and to get a little bit more in line with what we teach through uh, where I work, which is a um, great company, fantastic company called Fortune Builders is the parent company. I work for a company that is Below that, or owned by the same owners called Mind Protein, we are the internet marketing division uh, or the education division. We teach real estate investors how to market their business online. So that is my job. I'm an internet marketing consultant, and uh, I am also a licensed agent and have been since 2005. So I've got a good amount of experience in the residential sales area. I've also been a part of a good number of flips. Um, at all different levels. I've had the good fortune to be, well, I grew up around real estate uh, in terms of development. My grandfather was a developer. My dad was in uh, worked for my grandpa in the construction business. We had family business was a construction business. So I grew up around that. And then uh, when I got out of high school, started working for somebody who became a good friend of mine, a mentor, and he was flipping houses. So I was doing the grunt work, fixing everything and, uh, you know, putting, tearing out floors, putting in new floors, tearing out windows, putting in new windows, roofs, walls, kitchens, baths, living room, the whole thing, right? We did everything. And so it was really cool. I learned basically how to do everything involved with, or most everything, you know, there's always more, 
but um, pretty much almost all, uh, most of the things from the ground up, I got a chance to do with my own two hands. And of course, uh, my friend there who got me the job and we worked together and uh, yeah, it was really fun. Learned a lot and I got paid to do it and I saw him successfully do multiple flips. So I worked with him probably um, without counting off the top of my head, I would guess maybe uh, eight, eight-ish, maybe, maybe a couple more, but um, somewhere around there. So really great experience. This was right out of high school and then I went away to college to study music. And when I came back, I decided I wanted to get my real estate license, got my license and started selling residential real estate. And then I started working with investors because I realized that was kind of a, an angle or a niche that I really enjoyed. And I wanted to eventually be able to become an investor myself. And so here we are. Um, what is also neat, so with uh, where I work, the system that we teach students is based off of a tried and true formula. And that is basically buy low, buy properties that are in distressed situations where we can buy buy using cash at a discount. And that cash discount uh, on a property that is in a distressed situation needs work. You know, maybe it needs a, a light rehab, maybe it needs a full rehab, maybe it could use an extension. There's some kind of room there for improvement. And that's where the ability to make uh, extra money comes in. And so to be able to purchase this, help somebody out of a tough situation, somebody that can't make their payments for whatever reason, be able to help get them out of there, potentially save their credit, um, maybe even get them on to uh, you know, their next house with some money in their pocket in some cases. And so be able to help people that are in tough positions and then be able to also help the community, the neighborhood, because if this house is falling behind, there's you know, deferred maintenance, there's um, you know things accumulating in the front yard or just looks chunky or abandoned, this can uh, you know attract the wrong kind of attention. Squatters, people who want to just vandals, you know, it can it can quickly start to bring down the value of a neighborhood if a house is let go, right? If there's nobody taking care of it, if there's a visible uh, deferred maintenance that can really be an issue not just for that house and that owner but for the whole neighborhood so it, it becomes uh, a big situation and so when somebody like an investor can come in help this person out of their situation and also build up that property bring restore it and or make it better then they can get a new buyer in there they can bring up the value of that property and therefore bring up the value of all the neighboring properties, therefore bringing up the value of a neighborhood. It's, a, it's be, you know, the whole community benefits from this. So it really is a neat way to give back to the community, to add value to the community, literally adding value to the community. So it's very cool. I'm very happy and fortunate to be a part of an organization that teaches people how to do this. And so Along with that, the idea is once you've done this a couple times, a couple flips or uh, what, wholesales, which is another strategy that's links to flipping. Let's say you want to make money, but you're not, um, you know, into doing flips or rehabs. It's too time consuming. You don't have the resources or don't know how to do it. But you can. You're good at finding the properties that need work. Well, you could purchase that property on your own turn around and sell that contract to an investor that does want to do the flips, uh, do the work, the rehab, 
and you could make money just for doing that. And that is called wholesaling, and that is a strategy that Fortune Builders teaches, and uh, you may be familiar with it, you may not be. So it's a great way to be able to build wealth fairly rapidly, big sums of cash, equity, and then be able to take that money and push that into passive income uh, properties, rental properties. So using the same kind of strategy, buying distressed property, rehabbing it, and then putting a renter in there and doing a hold at that time, buy and hold. So those are kind of two of the big strategies that our company teaches. We've got lots of students that my car is beeping up a storm. Hopefully you can't hear that. Um, we have a lot of students that are doing it successfully. It's awesome. And now we are seeing that there is a good demand for commercial property investing. And so there's a really neat commercial boot camp coming up that I get to go to. Okay, car. Now you're just really bothering me. Um, really neat commercial boot camp coming up. And I'm very excited to learn about this because commercial is a whole new level. And the way that the company teaches it is basically moving from residential, multi-unit residential, which is one to four units. The next most obvious step up is multi-units or uh, commercial, which is five units and above. So once you get into five units and above, it's really not a whole lot different, but there are some differences, and that's what I'm going to go learn about. And you start getting into the economy of scale, right? Things are the same. You can buy in bulk in a sense and do rehabs that are pretty much all very similar, cookie cutter in a sense, that you can do upgrades. And there's also, if there's a proven track record of rentals, you can get numbers that will help you make a decision as to the value of the home as to or the property, the value that you can add to it. And so how much room for, um, you know, improvements there are and how much money you can make doing it. Plus, again, you're upgrading the, the property itself, which adds value. And that value is going straight back into the community in terms of bringing up other people's values for their homes and their rental properties. So it's, it's all good. It's all good, right? So that's what I'm wanting to learn to do. And part of that is being able to find people who want to invest, right? Because if it, we're talking about a million dollar, multi-million dollar property, that's money I'm not going to be able to probably come up with out of pocket. And it is an opportunity for other people who have money sitting in the bank or money sitting in a 401k that would maybe like to diversify that out of the stock market and into real estate. Well, there's ways to do that. There's self-directed 401ks where you can take money out for a certain amount of time. You can lend it to somebody who's a real estate investor, an active real estate investor, put that money to work for you, get a return on it, and then pay back the 401k. And there's all sorts of tax neat things. I'm not a tax attorney. This is not tax advice. Consult your tax professional. There's neat opportunities there potentially, right? So a lot of us know that investing in real estate is a tried and true path to wealth, but we also maybe have day jobs or we have kids or families or we're just busy. Maybe we're building a business. All these things that maybe take away time from figuring out this real estate game. So those are the kind of folks I feel like I just know a lot of people kind of in that situation, like real estate investing. Yeah, obviously it's a no brainer. It sounds good, but it takes time. It takes energy. I don't have time to figure that out. 
if I can just take money out of where it is and put it into a trustworthy kind of situation, that might be something that folks would like to do. And people I've talked to have all been very excited about that. That sounds great. They're they're interested. So what I want to do is be able to do the legwork. I've got connections across the the country. I'm very fortunate. And I'll be meeting with some of these folks in Dallas in a, in a little while here. By the time you listen to this recording, maybe I've already been there and back. And so I want to be able to offer these opportunities to my network, be able to say, okay, folks, this month or this quarter, probably start off on like a once a year, twice a year kind of project here, just to keep it simple in the beginning, or not simple, but slightly simpler than getting doing multiple of these at a time, uh, focusing on one at a time, basically, getting it lined up and be able to do all my due diligence, share with my network of investors that are into cash flow. I did say this was a cash flow episode. Be able to get some cash flow going and make it relatively or as, as passive as possible for investors that have the money, don't want to do too much work, want to see what's going on, want to learn. Um, and also those that do maybe want to be a little bit more involved. So be able to do some joint venture type deals where we're partners on some and then uh, do others where it's more like a subscription. You invest your money into a specific project we're working on, and then you can see what, when and how much money you'll be getting back um, on a payment schedule and be able to show you, okay, you know, you invested, you know, let's say 100000 and uh, you get this much back every quarter, and uh, then in five years when we sell, you get this much back, and over time, this is the percentage that you've made on your cash investment, and this is the amount you'll be getting back total. So that's kind of the idea, learning how to put those together, learning how to identify the, the properties and the opportunities and all that good stuff is a lot of work and time. That's why I'm excited. It's going to be six days straight of working with some of the most successful real estate investors in the country. So I'm really, really excited. I'd like to keep you updated on that. And so uh, one way I'm going to be doing that is if, you, if you'd like more information about this, you can go to www.turnkeycashflowproperty.com. No, Turnkey cashflowproperty.com and no spaces, no hyphens, turnkey, T-U-R-N-K-E-Y, cashflow, C-A-S-H, flowproperty.com. That's the the uh, form. Go ahead and fill that out. I'll get you more information and keep you posted about future opportunities for investing and I'm really excited about it. So if you are excited about it too, or even if you're just kind of curious, go ahead and fill it out. I promise not to spam you. I'll just send you some updates every once in a while about where I'm at with the process, what opportunities are on the horizon, and then you can figure out if it sounds like an opportunity that may be right for you. And I'd love to share more with you about that. So feel free to reach out if you have questions. Info at findyourflow.com. Let me know that you're interested in the real estate investing opportunities and we can talk more and I'll be able to share with you what kind of opportunities I'm working on. All right, friend. Well, that's kind of the big idea for today is cash flow, putting your money to work for you. And whether that be as an active real estate investor or as more of a passive real estate investor, there's a spectrum and wherever you are, then that's awesome, and I'd love to help you out. So let me know. Hit me up, 
And until next time, my friend, be flowing. Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I am your host, Winston Wittis, and I am here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is about being in the right place at the right time. How to be in the right place at the right time. How to be in the right place at the right time is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Why? Because it's a magical kind of experience. It is serendipity at work. It is synchronicity. It is coincidence. It is being in the right place at the right time. That's what it is. And there's an art to it. Maybe a bit of a science, but I think it's it's really just kind of more of an art. But th- I think there is a bit of a science, right? So there are certain things that can certainly put the odds in our favor. All right. And... Uh, I'll give you some examples. So let's say that you want to meet a certain person and you know this person, maybe, kind of, sort of. Maybe they're um, somebody you want to get to know. And so you're trying to figure out, you know, there's kind of the, uh, um, <laughs> it's watching some cartoon with the kiddo. And they were going to, they wanted to uh, be meet this certain person, right? And so they knew the person was going to be at the, at a certain place. Oh, no, okay, it wasn't a cartoon, I'm sorry. I kind of can't remember what it was. Okay, so Elena and I were watching a movie, and this movie is, um, it was a pretty good movie. I don't remember what it's called. I'll think of it, I'm sure, during this uh, this episode. So the guy wanted to meet this girl. He was supposed to go away to call it, oh, um, it had uh, David Spade in it. And it's a uh, father fighters, fighters of the year, father of the, father of the year. These two guys are um, kind of, the tangent story is these two guys who are, uh, you know, just, got out of high school, ready to go away to college. They are talking about their dads and which dad is tougher and which dad would win in a fight. And David Spade's one of them. Very uh, funny movie, but there's this part where the the one guy, that the lead guy in the movie, he wants to meet this girl. Or he knows this girl. He met her. He knows she works for this company that's kind of like an Uber knockoff, right? And so what's he do? He orders something. Oh no, it's not. It's like Uber Eats or like a delivery service, right? Where people just random people can deliver products. So what's he do? He orders um, this crazy expensive Chinese food meal, thinking that she's going to drop it off. And then this other guy, who's his friend, ends up dropping it off. And so he's like, ah, oh, I don't want to ruin it in case you haven't seen it, but it's pretty funny. And so anyway, then he, you know, that's not the right, that's not the girl that he wants to talk to. So he orders another product. And so he gets, and it keeps happening. He's, all these randoms are dropping off products and it's like really cheap products. So they're kind of pissed that he's wasting their time and gas with these really cheap products and not tipping, right? But eventually, wouldn't you know, she um, she does come to drop something off. And he's like, oh, wow, what a coincidence. And she's like, yeah, no, it's not. It's a one in nine chance because I can see here that you've ordered nine things in the last, you know, half hour. 
and it's just like ah oh, busted but you know she whatever so that was a very long about way <laughs> to describe to you one way that we can put the odds more in our favor right it's kind of ridiculous but it's also kind of real because she knew that if he just did it often enough eventually she would be the one that got the order and came through and came to his door so there's a very important lesson here and i deal um like i've said in many episodes before but i'll say again i work a lot with real estate investors and uh, as an agent myself and as somebody who's done a lot of sales and marketing over the years the numbers the numbers game is an important part of business and of life in my opinion and when you put the numbers to work for you your luck goes up your percentage of luck goes up and when you don't put the numbers to work for you your percentage of luck stays low it's pretty basic concept but it's it shows up in a lot of different ways and i don't think a lot of people really fully get it and so it's worth spending some time on it um now there's also you know on this show i like to get a little bit esoteric a little bit far out there and i also like to try to keep it practical at the same time because i believe that there's an overlap and there's also a gray area there's a spectrum of this stuff where it's kind of more hard sciency and then kind of more intuitive and esoteric so I like them both. This is I think a good place to see both sides of it. So if he's ordering and ordering and ordering, he for him the guy making the orders, he knows if he just orders enough, he's eventually going to have her deliver something. It's pretty much a given because he knows he, she works there, she works in that area, she's done it before. He's got a lot of evidence pointing him to this this fact, right? If I just keep ordering stuff, eventually she's going to be the one that drops something off to me. Okay, well, it's not really luck, right? If it had happened on the first time, yeah, that might have been lucky. Or the second time or third. At what point is it stopping luck and it's just like straight, you know, perseverance of ordering? I don't know. It's subjective, right? Some people, hey, good, lucky for him, it didn't take a hundred times. It cost him a fortune, right? So that part is, it's, all relative it's you know subjective what is luck how often does it take before it's not luck and it's just you know a numbers game so it's kind of like that with real estate investing it's kind of like that with being a real estate agent it's kind of like that with many things in life so let's look at um yeah from an agent perspective or uh yeah or an investor very similar game that they're playing they're trying to find a property that will be for sale soon and that they can either list and sell for themselves as an agent or as an investor be able to acquire that property and rehab it and flip it or rehab it and hold it or wholesale it. But basically, the name of the game is find the property before anybody else and be able to tie it up with the contract. That's the name of the game. How do you do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways to market, right? But what's the point of the marketing? The point of the marketing is to get somebody on the phone, a seller with the house that they need to sell whether that person is bringing in the house. Good Lord, I don't know if you guys can hear that. Hopefully not, but uh, my car is beeping and it's driving me insane. So the person who is putting out, doing direct mail, they're sending out a thousand direct mail pieces at a time. 
they know the numbers of direct mail. Half a percent to one percent return on it, or, or I should say, um, half a percent to one percent of person people responding is considered a win in the direct mail world. So that would mean you mail out 1,000 pieces of mail. If 10 people raised their hand and said, stop mailing me junk, that would be a successful campaign. That would have been a 1% return or a 1% response rate. And that would be obviously not the desirable result, but that would still be um, pretty good. If five to 10 people raised their hand and said, hey, I want more information or stop mailing me that would be considered a win. So that's a lot of touches, right? 1,000 mailings, that's a lot. So if you do 10,000 mailings, then you could guesstimate 50 to 100 respondents, right? Half a percent to 1%. Now, of course, not all those people are gonna be happy, like I said. Some of them are gonna say, stop mailing me your junk, take me off your list. Some of them are gonna say, hey, yeah, this is interesting, give me more information, I wanna learn more about your service. And some people are going to call and say, yeah, I need this right now today. Tell me more. How do we do this? Boom. Right? The hottest of the hottest leads. So, wow, well, good luck. We mailed only 10,000 people and we got a couple deals. Well, it's not really luck, right? You're blanketing the city with your mailings. It's numbers. It's kind of like a science almost, right? We know that this is the way it works. So, it's not really lucky. But, Sometimes we'll have people, I have students that they'll mail like 100 mailings and get three deals. It's like, holy geez, that's some, they got 3%, not just return rate, but like three deals. It, that's amazing, right? Maybe they got like five responses, they got 5% return rate, and then they closed like 80% of those. So super high conversion rate. So there's all different ways this could play out, right? And some of them may be like, wow, that was really lucky. Or, and it may be, you know, and or it may also be that they just got a really targeted list. They hit them with the exact right message. They did it at the right time or the right frequency. You know, there's other factors that we can start to hone in on as we get more data. It becomes less luck and more of a science. At the beginning, it is kind of luck. You just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But if we can learn from somebody else who's already done it or is doing it successfully, we may be able to cut out some of the the throwing of randomness at the wall and get much more targeted. So that's the value of the systems and investing in systems and learning from people who are already doing it successfully. So we're cutting out that luck element or making, actually, depending on how you look at it, getting ourselves luckier by increasing our odds kind of this inverse relationship, increase your, or I guess a parallel relationship, you know, increase your odds and you're getting luckier. How do you do that? Well, there's a lot of ways. We already kind of talked about that. So now let's look at another example. So being in the right place at the right time. How do we do that? Well, let's say that we don't know what that right place is or the right time. It's, you know, we don't even know who would be a good person to meet for us to take that next step in life that we're trying to get to, that next accomplishment, that next project, that next relationship. So instead, we maybe have to take a slightly more bigger picture approach to it. Maybe we can hone in on the feeling we would have 
once we have that thing or once we met that person. Let's say that it is a relationship. We want to be in love. Okay, what is that like for you? What's it like when you feel fulfilled in the love area, in the relationship area? What's it like when you're spending time with that person? How do you feel? What kind of signs do you wake up in the morning and see or feel or experience that allow you to know that you have it? And how can you start to imagine that more and more and get more and more clear about that and act as if it already is a reality for you? And by doing so, how is that going to shift your internal dialogues, your internal feelings and emotions, and therefore start to influence your outward patterns and habits? And how might those changes in your behavior influence the things that you do out there in the physical reality that then change the course of events that then allow for this new person to come into your actual physical reality. That's how this kind of magic happens, I think, sometimes, right? We start, it's the law of attraction, being in the right place at the right time. It's starting to be open to maybe new experiences. If you're getting the same experiences day in and day out, and you're like, wow, I want this other new experience, well, then you're going to have to start doing something different, probably. What is that thing that's different? If you're a hermit and you don't leave the house and you want to meet somebody, maybe you're online. Maybe you start going on new websites that you or dating apps that you weren't on before. Maybe you start going to hang out at the the mall more or the market or the the bar or the clubs, you know, depending on your style. You start to change certain things in your life push the odds in your favor perhaps maybe you're not even doing it consciously maybe you're and this is kind of the the catch i think the part where it, it keeps it all interesting because if it was just that easy it would be that easy but life isn't that easy sometimes is it sometimes it's roundabout we got to go through the journey we got to learn things and lessons and grow in certain ways that we didn't even know we had to before we're able to get that thing that we want and so we can start to appreciate these experiences that are maybe contrasting, that are maybe the opposite of what we want. Maybe we want this certain, you know, kind of relationship or a certain job, and uh, we keep having this complete opposite kind of situation or relationship or this job. And we're like, gosh darn it, why can't we just do the one we want, we have it the way we want it, keep attracting this kind of partner into my relationships or my business relationships or my personal relationships. I keep attracting this kind of job where I'm doing the same stupid thing day in, day out. Why is that? Well, maybe you haven't figured out how to break that pattern of thinking and of action. And so you keep running into the same pattern. So what thing could you do that would allow you to start to make a shift? What if it was simply starting to imagine what that shift would be like? What if by getting clearer and clearer about what that looks like for you, how you'd be feeling different, how you'd be acting different, how you'd be talking different, how might those things, just by imagining it and starting to pretend it and live it in your head first, might that impact your actual outside physical reality? I'll give you some examples. Let's say, okay, so um, let's say I'm at home and in my head, I'm sometimes in my head, friends, I'll be honest. I'm in my mind and I'm uh, thinking about something that happened at work. And it was 
an awkward situation. What? You have an awkward situation at work? Yeah, it happens, friends. So I do. <laughs> so some I do or say something, and now I'm like playing it over in my head to abuse myself. Like ah, I could have said this, or oh, I shouldn't have said that, or oh, whatever. Okay. And because um, I always think of these things like 12 hours later, it's never like in the moment, right? In the moment. I wish I could say awesome, cool things, but that rarely happens. Usually it's like I say something dumb or I can't even say anything at all and the situation just goes and <laughs> comes and goes and I don't think of something until like I'm home at night. And then, you know, I'm playing that through my head and Elena's in the room. She's like, what are you doing? And she can tell that I'm not there physically in the moment, right? Or I'm there physically in the moment. I'm not there mentally in the moment. I'm replaying this awkward situation and I'm probably doing some weird face thing and or acting it out with my hands because I'm completely oblivious to my actual physical reality. So I'm not present in that moment, right? And when I come back to that time, to the now, you know, in the physical space where my body is, then depending on what I was just thinking about, it may take me a moment to adjust to what the physical reality going on is. So if I was reliving some awkward thing, then I might come back and feel like embarrassed or I might, um, you know, be kind of standoffish or, um, you know, I might be embarrassed and uh, who knows, you know, I'm going to come back and be in a, a framework of mind that was like, ah, should have, uh, you know, anxious and like annoyed versus if I had been thinking about some amazing thing that happened, oh, I had this great call with the student and it was really, really neat. And we talked about this and it changed their life. And they're so thankful that, um, you know, we had this call today. And, you know, I'm just on cloud nine reliving that awesome cloud. Now, again, I'm not fully present in the moment. So, you know, whatever, that's not a great thing. But when Elena snaps me back to the current reality of the now, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm in a much better mood, right? So I'm going to react different. I'm going to maybe share what I was thinking about and um, she'll be happy and, so the the way that I was thinking about something else shaped the way that I was behaving in the now. I was in a different time space in my mind internally, which again, I'm not advocating, but it just is what it is, right? And so if I'm more conscious of those things and I can be sure to keep my self either centered in the now and the present so that I can be fully with Elena the whole time and not space cadet out somewhere, then that's obviously its own kind of practice, right? Being present in the moment. I have an episode about that.
Hey, thanks for listening, friend. By the way, do you like essential oils? Me too. Did you know you can go to findyourflow.com forward slash shop and pick up some essential oils? Yeah, get them while they're going. And until next time, friend, be flowing.